I'm excited as we go into this new series called The Spirit, The God I Never Knew. Uh, I know a lot of times we can kind of get freaked out about the Holy Spirit, right? It just all depends on what your experiences have been, what you've heard about him. And so really the next four to five weeks is all about kind of debunking the myths that you've heard, kind of laying, today I'm gonna lay the foundation of who he is and hopefully answer some questions or um, just really take a deeper look at who he is and why we even need him. And so before I get started, let's just say a quick prayer and and I'll get into the message today. But Holy Spirit, we just, we ask you to just come and teach us today. We're learning about you. And I just ask that you would speak to each and every heart, that we would understand you, that we would be put at ease with you and that we would really learn to have a relationship with you. And we just invite you in this place today, in Jesus' name, amen. So I also wanna welcome all of you that are watching online. I'm sure my mom is watching and my dad, so hi, mom and dad. Well, we we sing songs in church all the time like this, I believe the creed. Don't worry, I'm not gonna sing for you, but lyrics go, I believe in God the Father, I believe in Christ the Son, I believe in the Holy Spirit, our God is three in one. We sing songs like, Holy Spirit, you're a welcome here. Come flood this place and change the atmosphere. We say things like, let the Holy Spirit speak to you. Let him comfort you. But we sing them and we say them, but do we really know who he is and how important he really is to our lives as believers? I think for a long time, the Holy Spirit has become a taboo subject in the church. And maybe you grew up in a church where the Holy Spirit was misrepresented, or maybe he wasn't even talked about at all. Like maybe today is the first time you're even hearing him talked about. Um, Many of our experiences have shaped how we see him, our response when we hear his name, both positive, right? Because many of us have had positive experiences, but some negative, and then some you're just clueless because you've never heard about him ever. But because of that, we don't usually put him to use in our lives because we don't fully understand him. And we've put him on a shelf as something to look at, but not to take advantage of or to use. In a lot of ways, we've even hidden him. It's kind of like that thing in your house that you have that someone gave you, right, that you don't really like, but... So you, but you feel bad, so you don't wanna completely like trash it, so you just like hide it behind a picture frame or you only bring it out when they actually come over like, oh, I love your decoration, right? Only I do that. I, I know you all do that. Um, especially at Christmas time when your family comes over and your mom gave you something you don't like. But we also all have those things in our house that are simply for decoration that we are not supposed to touch. Like early on in marriage, I had these towels in our bathroom and they hung on a rack and they were for decorative purposes only. I don't know why, it's just what I saw in all the decorating magazines or when I would go over to friends' houses. So these towels were just simply for looks 
and not for use. Well, Mel did not understand that at all. That did not make sense to him, nor did it make sense to my toddler girls at the time. And so I finally gave up and decided, okay, well, I'll allow them to be used for their intended purpose, which was to dry us off. So I no longer have decorative towels that can't be touched hanging in my house. Everything is game, except my pillow shams that go on my bed. Those are not to be slept on because I don't want their drool on my pretty pillow shams. Is there anybody else in here that can relate to that? So my pillow shams, while they are a pillow, they are only there simply to look pretty when I make my bed, because I'm not gonna lie, my bed only gets made like maybe once every couple of weeks. I know for you OCD people, I'm, I'm freaking you out right now, but you're like, Kim, I'm gonna come make your bed today. <laughs> okay, guys, you're not exempt. What about that sports jersey you have that's your prized possession, right? It's, it hangs in your closet or maybe it's in a, in a frame that's for looks, but you're not there gonna use it, nor would you ever wash it, right? Because what if it gets ruined? Or what about that gym membership that you pay for every month that you know you have because it comes out of your bank account every month, but... You don't know the last time when you went, or maybe you have those weights in your garage that are collecting dust. You know they're there, but you don't put them to use. Well, my point is, is that a lot of times we treat the Holy Spirit exactly like that. We know that he's there. We don't deny that he exists. Again, we sing the songs. We say the Christian things, but we just place him in a spot that we're comfortable with and just leave him there, not ever fully taking advantage of all of his benefits. So today we're gonna look at John 14 through 16, and don't worry, I'm not reading all of those chapters to you. I want you to go home and read them on your own. Um, I will be reading a lot of scripture today, but I think it's important as we lay the foundation for you to understand why he is so important. But in John 14 through 16, Jesus is with his disciples, the guys that are his very best friends, the guys that he loves so very much. And he's at the Last Supper with them as he prepares to go be crucified. And so I can only imagine how the disciples were feeling. Like they had to be so just wrapped up in emotion knowing that the man that they had abandoned their lives for to come follow, to come serve, the, the man that they got to eat with and pray with and sleep with and talk with and touch was gonna be leaving them. I'm sure they were nervous, they were sad, they were scared, I'm sure. And I know they also had to be excited knowing why he was leaving them, but also just experiencing all kinds of emotions. This. Jesus had been doing life with them. And how many of you have ever said, like, I just wish that I could sit down with Jesus and have a meal. Like, I just wish that I could ask him questions. I know that I have said things like that. But Jesus tells them, and, and he says this to us too, hey, I'm going away, but don't be worried. I'm not leaving you alone. I'm not abandoning you. In fact, it's even better that I go away. I'm sending someone else. And so we're gonna look at John 14, 16 through 17. It says, and I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, 
even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive. So if you're not a Christian, you, you can't receive him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But if you're a believer, you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. So there's four things I want us to look at today to help you see that the Holy Spirit is more than what we've been told about him. Number one is he is a person. How many of you have ever heard the Holy Spirit referred to as it? I have a lot. I've heard that a lot. But here in John, you'll see, even though the, the scriptures that I read, he was referred to as him many times. And then in John 14, 26, he's, it says, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. And John purposefully uses the masculine Greek pronoun ekonos, which stands for he, instead of using the neuter pronoun ekono, which means it. And many interpreters and theologians believe that it was a deliberate choice on John's part to use ekonos, he, to help the disciples and us understand that he is a distinct person. He's a distinct personhood and he is the Holy Spirit. He is not an it, he's not indistinct power, he's not a ghost, he's not a thing. Um, the Bible never once refers to him as it. And if you don't see him as a person, it makes it really hard for you to have a personal relationship with him. Just like, as much as I would want to have a relationship with this table, Right? I can't because it's an inanimate object. This table can't talk to me. Um, this table, I can't talk to this table. I mean, I can, but it's just gonna bounce off, right? But I can't have a relationship with this table. So if you look at the Holy Spirit as an it, you're, you're making it an inanimate object and it is a he, that he wants to have a personal relationship with you. He has a mind, he has a will, he has emotions. In Romans 8, 27, we see that um, where he has a mind, it says, and he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the spirit because the spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. He has a will, 1 Corinthians 12, 11, it says all these are empowered by one and the same spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. He has emotions, Ephesians 4, 30 says, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. So you can grieve the Holy Spirit, you can quench him in your life. And John 14, 17 says, the spirit dwells with you and will be in you which means that he is with you, he's in you, he's constantly surrounding you, and that means that he is a person that you can have a relationship with. He wants to have a relationship with you. Jesus sent him to have a relationship with you. So he not only has personal relationships with us as believers, but he also has ones with the Father and the Son, which we're gonna look at now. And the second point is he is God. He is the third person in the Trinity. And I think a lot of times we make him a lesser God or we just kind of again put him to the side, don't really talk about him. 
but we see him mentioned a lot in scripture along with the God the Father and God the Son. And we see it in Matthew 28, 19, where it says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. You know, when people get baptized, we say, we baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. 2 Corinthians 13, 14 says, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. In Genesis 1, 2, he was the first Godhead of the Trinity even mentioned. It says, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And in Luke 3, 22, when Jesus is being baptized, we actually see all three of them in person, in the same place, at the same time. And it says, and the Holy Spirit descended on him, Jesus, in bodily form like a dove, and a voice came from heaven from the Father saying, you are my beloved son, with you I am well pleased. So again, he is not a lesser or different kind of God even. He is the same and he is God. And in John 14, 16, we're gonna see how he is the same. John uses another helper and there's two possible Greek words for another. I know you guys are really excited about all this Greek, but for me, it made it make sense. It made me realize that, okay, there's some legitimacy to this, but another can be one of two Greek words. The first one is allos, which I'm positive, I'm not saying it right, but just bear with me. Allos, one of the very same kind, same character, same everything, or a duplicate. And the other option would be heteros, one of another kind or one of a different kind. But the Greek word used here is allos. So when Jesus was saying, I'm gonna send another helper, he was saying, I'm gonna send someone that is exactly like me so that you don't have to be without me. One translator says that John 14, 16 could be translated to mean, and I think this is beautiful. It says, I will ask the Father and he will send you someone who is just like me in every way. He will be identical to me in the way he speaks, the way he thinks, the way he operates, the way he sees things and the way he does things. He will be exactly like me in every way. If the Holy Spirit is here, it will be just as if I am here because we think, behave, operate exactly the same. So yesterday I was um, preaching this message to my 14 and 11 year old girls and they kept like raising their hand like to stop me, mom, like we have a question about that. So they helped me kind of work through this. Um, I'm not taking questions right now, but when I gave this next analogy, my brainiac daughter, who was a science nerd, said, oh mom, that's good. I didn't, I've, I heard it from someone else, so I can't take full credit for it, but the Trinity is like water. So water can be three forms. It can be a liquid, it can be a steam, it can be a solid, but its molecular structure is still water. So it's the same with the, with the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, they all can be different forms, but they're all the same. Their molecular structure is still God. They also defer to one another. They work in tandem with one another, which is an awesome thing. In John 15, 26, it says, but when the helper, the Holy Spirit comes, whom I, Jesus, will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, 
who comes from the Father, he will bear witness about me, which means that the, that the Holy Spirit says, yes, Jesus was real, he was alive, yes, you're saved, yes, you're redeemed. He bears witness about me. And Lisa Harper, a Bible teacher, says this about the Trinity. She says, God the Father planned the redemption of man, so he saw that man would need to be redeemed. He planned out how that was gonna come about. Jesus the Son accomplished the redemption of man by dying on the cross for our sins, and then the Holy Spirit affirms and applies the redemption of man. So he is the one that stirs in our hearts when we need to come to Jesus. He is the one that says again, yes, you are saved. In Acts 3, 5, 3 through 4, Peter actually refers to the Holy Spirit as God, and he says, But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back for yourself part of the proceeds of the land? While it remained unsold, did it not remain on your own? You have not lied to man, but to God. So there we see that even Peter says, why'd you lie to the Holy Spirit? You've not lied to man, but you've lied to God. So I just wanna pose this question to you or this statement that I heard Robert Morris say, who's an amazing pastor in Texas. And I know all the good people come from Texas. I'm from Texas, but no, you all are awesome. But he wrote an incredible book called The God I Never Knew, and I wanna encourage you to get it. It's so good. But he says this, when you hear someone say, be careful of those churches or those people that talk about the Holy Spirit, and how many of you have ever Heard someone say that, I have. You're basically saying, be careful about those churches that talk about God, right? Because if he is God and he's equal to God, if he is God, then when we say things like, be careful of those people or those churches that talk about the Holy Spirit, then we're basically saying, be careful of those churches that talk about God and how that must grieve his heart, how that must make him so sad. Because we're gonna see in number three, point number three is he's our helper. He was sent to help us, not just the disciples. He was sent to us forever, for all eternity. When Jesus went to heaven, when he ascended to heaven, he sent the Holy Spirit for every believer. And in John 14, 16, it says, and I will ask the Father, he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Jesus calls the Holy Spirit a helper, so why does he call him that? Well, the Greek word for helper here is parakletos. And in the language of the day, it was used to describe a lawyer who pleaded someone's case, or it was also used to describe a counselor or a life coach, if you will. So a parakletos is a compound word of two Greek words, para and kaleo. And para means to come alongside. It means alongside it. It means very close to. And kaleo means to beckon or call or to come. So when you put those two words together, it means to come very close, to come alongside. And so when Jesus said, I'm sending you another helper, he said, I'm going to send you someone and he's gonna come alongside of you. He's going to do life with you. He's going to be with you 24 seven and you will never be alone. Yes, it's good. 
So how does he help us? Well, he reminds us of who we are and whose we are. So when we come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit comes within us, those days that the enemy is telling us, oh, are you really a Christian? The Holy Spirit says, no, yes, you are. You are a daughter, you are a son, you are a child, and you have been redeemed. So he reminds us of who and whose we are. He tells us what to say and what not to say. How many of you have ever had that moment where you say something like, you get that, like you're about to say something you shouldn't, and you get that feeling on the inside of you, and you know you shouldn't say it, and you even say, I know I shouldn't say this, but... Or when you go to post that thing on Facebook and the Holy Spirit says, why are you posting that? What's your motive for posting that? And you're like, oh, well, but, right? He tells us what to say and what not to say. He wants to keep us out of trouble. I was a, um, a counselor prior to moving here. I had a private practice and I had taken some time off. I, it had been 12 years since I had graduated with my master's in marriage and family therapy and I decided to pursue that career when we were in Oklahoma. And I was scared to death because I thought, how in the world, like it's been 12 years, I'm not gonna remember anything that I learned. I'm not gonna remember any techniques, anything. And my supervisor who was a believer also said, Kim, the Holy Spirit is gonna remind you of the things that you learned. He's gonna give you the things to say. And he did, it was incredible. There were things that would come into my office or conversations that I would have that I would be like, I have no clue how to help this person. But the Holy Spirit would just bring things back to my memory or he would give me the words to say or maybe even you have had those instances where you have a friend that is in desperate need or is hurting so bad and you're like, I have no clue what to say to them but yet you say something and, they're, and they say something like, oh my gosh, that's exactly what I needed to hear. That's the Holy Spirit speaking through you. He also guides us into truth. He shows us what is true and what is false. And it's confusing word out, world out there right now. We need the Holy Spirit because there is so much craziness happening out there, right? I turned on the news for just a little bit today and turned it right back off. We need the Holy Spirit more than ever operating in our lives. He also reveals to us the Father's will. So how many of you have ever said, I need to know what God's will is for my life? right? I need to know what I'm supposed to do. Well, the Holy Spirit is the one that reveals the Father's will to you. He also prays on your behalf when you don't know how to pray. I know I've had many of those moments where I've been in a situation where I'm like, God, I don't even know what to pray right now. I don't even know how to help this person right now, but he prays and intercedes for you to the Father and to the Son. John 14, 26 again says, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things. So even when you're a new believer and you don't understand the Bible, the Holy Spirit's job is to teach you, is to help you understand what the Bible is saying. He brings to remembrance everything that I have said to you. Again, he's gonna bring to remembrance 
all of the things you have learned. Maybe you're in here and you served God at one time or you were raised in church, but you stepped away from your faith and you've come back to him and you're in that place now where you're like, I don't know if I remember everything that I learned. The Holy Spirit can bring that back to your remembrance. In John 15, 26, it says, again, but when the helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. John 16, seven through eight says, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. It's better that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. So again, I know that scripture, depending on how you were raised, can even scare you a little. It sounds, oh, well, the Holy Spirit's judgmental. No, that's not the case at all. It's actually, those three things are actually a gift. It's actually a help. And here is why. It says in verse nine, concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. If you have given your life to Jesus, it's because the Holy Spirit convicted you that you weren't living right. I don't know about you, but I'm really thankful that he convicted me of the things that I wasn't doing that weren't pleasing to God because I don't have a pretty past. And I was miserable. But I'm so thankful that the Holy Spirit said, Kim, you're better than this. You need a savior. You cannot do this on your own. And he came and he spoke to my heart and convinced me that I need a savior. I need forgiveness. The Holy Spirit convinces us. He convicts us. He, he says things like, you're better than that. Oh, don't go down that path. There's danger ahead, right? Again, we live in a world that, <laughs> that morals are just, up in the air, but the Holy Spirit convicts us of what is true and right. The enemy is the one that says, you're a loser. You're not forgiven. You don't deserve that. That's the enemy. The Holy Spirit convinces, convicts, the enemy accuses. In verse 10, it says, concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer. So Righteousness means right living, right standing with God. So the Holy Spirit, after we've been saved, he says, you are a daughter and a son of the most high God. Jesus did die for you. You can live right because of me. You are in right standing with me because Jesus died for you. I'm so thankful that he reassures us that we don't have to do it on our own. He is there to come alongside of us and help us to live a life that is worthy. And then finally, concerning judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. So again, a lot of us can interpret that as the Holy Spirit's just waiting for us to mess up so he can flick us off and judge us and send us to hell. No, Concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judge, the ruler of this world is Satan. And what he is saying right here is, I have overcome him. I have defeated him. He is kicked out. And now that you're a believer, now that you're in right standing with God, 
you can overcome the enemy too because you have the same authority that I do. So when the enemy comes in and tells you lies and and tries to bring you back to your old past, when you have that drink in your hand and you know you shouldn't drink it, right? The Holy Spirit comes in and says, who are you? You're better than that. I've defeated that drink in your hand. I've defeated the enemy and he no longer has authority in our lives and we can take authority. I am thankful that I don't have to live this life on my own because if I had to live it on my own, I would still be where I was plus far worse. I'm thankful that he doesn't just beckon us to come to him and and accept him as our savior, but he sends a Holy Spirit to help us live this life because we need him, don't we? I, I don't know about you, but I cannot do it. I can't listen to the things that go on in this world. I can't live life like I should without him moving in and through me. And finally, Number four, he is our friend. The Holy Spirit is not weird. Weird people make the Holy Spirit weird. (laughs) I promise. You can be a completely normal person, a dignified person, and believe in the person and power of the Holy Spirit. Who do you think makes us afraid of the Holy Spirit anyways? If, if all that I said was true, if all that Jesus said was true about why the Holy Spirit comes, who do you think has made us afraid of him? It was Satan. Because one of, the Holy, because one of Satan's assignments, I believe, is to convince us that the Holy Spirit is weird, that churches that believe in him are weird, And that if we begin to allow him to have a greater role in our lives, like he should, then we are gonna be weird. And I'm okay with being weird to an extent, right? (laughs) But I remember as a kid being afraid to invite people to church, my friends to church, because I was afraid of sister weirdo, you know. I love her, but... He is more than a holy entity. He's not weird. He is the best kind of friend. And his desire is to be your best and closest friend. Yet we have limited his involvement in our lives. We've put him on a shelf and said, I know and I say and I believe that you exist, but I can do this life on my own. We have cut out the very person that Jesus promise to us. If you wonder why you continually get hung up with the same junk, if you wonder why you're in constant stress and anxiety and worry, if you wonder why you keep doing the same old things, it's because you have put the Holy Spirit on the shelf and you're not allowing him to rule and reign in your heart and your life. There are such benefits to being in relationship with him. And I'm not gonna go into these today in detail because Mel is gonna be unpacking these in the next four weeks, so don't miss it. Don't miss it, this is so important. But the first thing he gives us, he gives us power. He gives us power 
to live in this world. He gives us power and authority. And in Acts 1-8, we see that. He gives us love. How many of you know we need more love? With all the racial tension, with all the political junk, with everything that's happening, we need more love in a world that is just hateful, right? The people that you know that love the best, I would say that the Holy Spirit is operating and ruling and reigning in their lives. It hurts my heart when I see Christians that are so full of hate, because I've met them. I have had them in my family. That's not, that's not what God wants. If we have the Holy Spirit in our lives, he gives us the ability to love. And so if you struggle with loving, you need a friendship with Jesus because he can help you love people when it doesn't make sense. And we see that in 1 Corinthians 13 and Romans 5, 5. He gives us fruit. And again, Mel's gonna be unpacking this, but he helps us bear fruit, Galatians 5. He gives us gifts, which we're gonna be discussing. If you don't catch anything today, just know that a true friendship with the Holy Spirit can change your life. It can revolutionize your life. I am so thankful that just because I'm a pastor's wife, I think people automatically assume, Kim, you had a perfect life. You still have a perfect life. If any of you have heard my story, and if some of you have, I don't have the perfect past, but by the grace of God, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, I've been able to walk it out. And I'm so thankful for the times, even now, that those temptations come and the Holy Spirit says, hey Kim, remember who you are. You're better than that. Jesus died for you and he sent the Holy Spirit to live with you and walk with you in your darkest most troubling times. We have a friend that is battling cancer and it's ravenous. It's crazy how ravenous her cancer is and she's only 34, but she blogs about it and it's incredible how the Holy Spirit has just given her this resolve. And not that she doesn't have days, that she doesn't get angry or doesn't get upset or doesn't weep. She has those days and it says the Holy Spirit actually weeps with us in those days. But then there's no doubt that she has the Holy Spirit operating and working in her life because she has this boldness and she has this strength about her that she couldn't otherwise have that you can't get without him. And I don't know about you, but we don't know what tomorrow holds for any of us, right? But I know that in tragedy, I need the Holy Spirit as my friend. We need the Holy Spirit in our country. We need leadership leading us that is full of the Holy Spirit. We need Christians that are full of the Holy Spirit that can show love when no one else is loving. So let's bow our heads and pray. God, I thank you for not leaving us alone. I thank you for sending 
your son to die on the cross for us. I thank you that when he ascended to heaven with you, that he then asked you to send the Holy Spirit so that we could be with you forever. And just pray that you would move upon hearts right now. Maybe there's some of you in here that you say, Kim, I, I need Jesus. Like I don't, I'm not even living life how I should. And I'm, the Holy Spirit right now, I believe is, is tugging on some of your hearts and that's the Holy Spirit. And he's saying, come to Jesus. Maybe you're in here and you say, Kim, I need Jesus. I know that I need forgiveness. I know that I need a savior and I need a redeemer. And if that is you today with no one looking around, will you please raise your hand? We just want to agree with you and pray with you. Yes, here in the back. Anyone else? You say today, I need a savior. I need Jesus today. Yes, you can put your hands down. Well, let's all pray this prayer together for these that have raised their hands. Just pray it after me. Dear God, I thank you for sending your son to die on that cross so that I could spend eternity with you. I thank you that today you have washed my sins away that when I walk out of these doors, I am a new person. I am new in you. Help me to walk out and live this life full of your presence. Teach me, Holy Spirit. I welcome you into my life. In Jesus' name. Now, for the rest of you, maybe you say today, Kim, I, I know who the Holy Spirit is, or maybe it was your first time really even hearing about him today, but you say, I have, I have not been, he's not been my friend. He's not been my closest friend. And I know today that I need the Holy Spirit as my friend. I know that today I need a helper and I need to give him more room in my life. Would, would you just raise your hands if you say that is me today? Maybe you. Of you. Well, let's pray together one more time. God, I just thank you for your goodness. I thank you for what you've done in this place today. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you walk with us and move in us and you give us everything that we need and you give us wisdom. And I just pray for those who've raised their hands today that say, I need a friendship with the Holy Spirit. I need him to be actively moving in my life, I pray that you would just touch them today and that you would become an active friend to them, that they would feel your presence with them wherever they go, even into the darkest places. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, for those of you that gave your life to Christ today, we celebrate with you. It's, man, this is a life-changing day for you. And we want, yes. We want to help you take that next step. So there is a card in the seat back in front of you. Please fill that out and put it in the offering boxes as you leave today. And two, if you have prayer need for anything, fill that card out. 
put it in the offering box. We pray for your request every week in our staff meeting. And then finally, we wanna go back into one more song of worship and we wanna give you the opportunity to come pray with our prayer team. There's nothing weird about them. They are here to pray and agree with you. And I think there's just something powerful that when we're sick or we have a need or we just need someone to come and agree with us, that you don't have to come tell them all your junk, but just come for prayer as Todd leads us in worship again and they will be on either side of the stage. But will you stand up and join me? I love you all and I'm so honored to be your pastor's wife.